gonna start the recording right now because uh, I was t- yeah I was talking about Emily and Sean. They have they have Yeti microphones, which are the USB based microphones, and I said I wanted them for streaming. And and what did you say about your roommate? So I saw on Reddit. It must have been I don't know three weeks ago, something like that. It was a picture of somebody taken like in a Best Buy of the Yeti microphones, and the normal I guess version of it is and I don't know what the difference is, whatever, is $120 for the microphone, and it's just a microphone. But then right next to it on the shelf is the same, maybe a little bit worse, I don't know. But it's also a Yeti microphone, and it includes Fallout 76, you know, the game. And it was only $80. So by by including Fallout 76 with their product, they're automatically devaluing it. Not to mention... The box for the one that has Fallout 76 also says, it says, also includes, includes a copy of Fallout 76, something like that. It said includes (laughs) twice. Someone wasn't paying attention to the typos. (laughs) Someone didn't care enough. So did you see this in person too? Yes. Yes. I went, when we went to Best Buy, my, my roommate had to buy a new keyboard. I saw. I I literally. I went to the back because it's in that little gaming section they have now. I went back there and it was there and it said it said it it said includes includes. Oh my god! Wow! I just <laughs> Bethesda games, man. That Best Buy, the Augusta Best Buy, is the most disgusting Best Buy I have ever been in. And because I think on Long Island there were at least two we were able to drive through when we lived there. Are there still like how many are around you, Jeff? Uh, there are about maybe two, maybe three. Yeah, and I and I've been to at least one of them, and they were never as disgusting as the Augusta one. I go into that, and I, it feels like everything's dirty, and it just feels kind of like moist for some reason, <laughs> which it really shouldn't. And I know it's hot here, but goddamn, I don't, I don't get the. Uh the moist vibe that you're talking about here, but um, I, I really do not appreciate like the devaluation of Best Buy over the years. Cause like, oh God, how long have we lived here? 17 years ago when we first moved to Augusta and we went to Best Buy and it was like, Ooh, ah, computer parts and all this kind of crazy cool stuff. Best Buy doesn't even sell CDs anymore. And then their like selection on computer components is just, shameful no it's embarrassing like i went there to find some stuff i couldn't find it like if i want to buy stuff for my computer i have to either buy it online or go to atlanta and go to micro center which is heaven by the way micro center is amazing yeah but you still have to drive like two and a half hours to get there though yeah it's the only bad part but their prices are really good there's a micro center by me i think it's like maybe half an hour drive from here what town is it in i don't remember. <laughs> I didn't. I've never even heard of these before. Oh yeah, no. Micro Center is basically Home Depot for computers. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Nice. There's like, oh, yeah, like there's like two in Atlanta, and oh my god. Oh, oh that's nice. Yeah, I actually uh, purchased my new laptop from there. It's a. Uh, it's actually really nice, and I got a pretty good price for it. Well, next time I'm in the market for a computer laptop thing, then maybe I'll check that out in Atlanta. Yeah, and I've got that fancy one where it flips all the way over to a tablet. It's actually really cool. Oh, I thought I had that too, and then I needed a new laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, speaking of mess ups here, as as Eric knows, and Jeff probably used to know, I I actively use Snapchat, and Mm -hmm. I and I and I'll be honest with you. It's it's not a bad program. It's not it's not terrible. Unless but, your uh, friend is sending you like thirty videos a day and Jacob. you never watch one of them. Hey, what I send is gold. All right, it is solid gold. Okay, it is the best. It's the best quality stuff you'll ever see. The only ones that are good are the ones that have me on it, especially the ones where we just kept on chanting. Yogg Sothoth is the gate. I love that one. That's my favorite because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so one of the reasons I even have it is because, uh, you know, my buddy Davey, Jeff, you know, Davey, Eric, I don't think you've met him at all. He he, he works for Snapchat. And Yeah, they uh, fixed the logo, by the way, but now it also has a new sound, which I do oh. like the new sound, but the logo is fixed. 
Oh, I didn't even notice the logo was fixed. Is yeah. mine even, I don't think mine's fixed yet. But yeah, any, any complaints you have, we just put towards Davey, even though he has nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Davey has made a little bit of a mistake. And, and as you know, Eric, you and I, we keep a streak going, and that's just a keeps track of how many days in a row you can snap someone consistently. I've only got streaks with four people. You, Anita, my buddy Nolan... And Davey, and Davey tries to keep a lot of streaks going. Well, he's going on a cruise in Alaska this week, so uh, he's not going to have a lot of reception, apparently. So he gave his account over to one of his coworkers and friends. I think it's a coworker. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. So, so for like the next week or two, this guy is going to be sending stuff for Davey and receiving things for Davey. And this is like day one, and it's already like hilarious. It's like... I'm just thinking of oh, what no. awful things I can send their way to, but mostly it just seems to be insulting Davy, which is, uh, which I think is good in its in itself. But uh, it's a like national it's a... pastime, right? <laughs> it builds character somehow. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. know. Uh, speaking of Snapchat streaks, Jacob, we are about fifty days away from two straight years. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, we're at six eighty three right now. Oh my god! Didn't we drop once? I think I dropped once. Yeah, everyone. We, yeah. we we would have been at two years by now, but it, it, it dropped once. I think you are my, my second longest one, because um, Anita keeps dropping them. Uh, yeah, Nolan is 200, Anita's 286. We're, mine says 683. I don't yeah, know. That's what mine says. Yeah, and then with Davey, I have 748. How many years is that? Like, that's, all, that's over two years, right? Um. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Seven, 740, because 365 in a year, mm-hmm. so 730 is two years. Okay, so we just have over two years then. Yeah. And now we're capping off our two-year celebration by sending ridiculous pictures t- through Davy's friend, which is going to be hilarious. Unfortunately, Jeff had Snapchat, and then he got rid of it, so he can't see all the pictures of Woofy I send almost all the time, but whatever. Speaking of, did you enjoy my, my live Snapchatting of uh, finishing A Link to the Past last night? Yes, I did. And I think that would be good grounds to start with our first thing today, because I see you've been playing that a bunch. Thank yeah. God. Thank God I don't I don't know anything about Snapchat. So yeah. Let's talk yeah. about more things Jeff doesn't know about. Yeah, so God damn it, Jacob. Every time. So local Augusta politics. I'm just kidding, I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, oh, there's a lot of things going on. It's nonsense mostly. Um yeah, I mean like the uh the school board commissioner in like Aiken resigned or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but that's not here. It's like 20 minutes away. It's not even the same state. It's 20 minutes. <laughs> I go to work. I go to Aiken for work like twice a month. It's close enough. Most maps will put Aiken on the map, but not Augusta, which right. is weird to me, but okay. Yeah. So a link to the past. I, I Just like Jeffrey doesn't know anything about Snapchat, I know very little about uh, Legend of Zelda in general. Well, the, the, this got started because... A week or two ago, they put uh, on your Nintendo Switch, if you have like the Nintendo Switch online, so you can go online and play like uh, Smash Bros or Mario Kart with people or whatever, they have Virtual Console for Classic NES and uh, the SNES. So they just put the SNES one on there like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And part of that, mm-hmm. you can play The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, which is probably still my favorite game in that series, considering between... Friday night at about 8 o'clock, and last night at about 10 o'clock, I beat it, and it only took really, I don't know, six hours of playtime. But it got me thinking just how far, like, video games have come. Because if you look back at, like, A Link to the Past or the first Legend of Zelda game, how simple and basic they were. Like, you would go point A, B, C, you know, do a little dungeon crawl, get the item, beat the boss... And the newer games are still very much the same, with the exception of Breath of the Wild, because it's, I mean, massive. But when you look at something like that compared to before Breath of the Wild, last game was like Skyward Sword. Just like how nuanced the dungeons are and how advanced some of the puzzles have gotten. You think like, well, these people have been making these games at this point for 30 years, right? And just the development and all the changes and how much better it's gotten is insane to think about. What's crazy with video games is how you can actually create generations and not just like the generations of 
like video game consoles, for example, you know, oh, this was the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation. You can look at uh, how uh, trends in the games and how they kind of how they gone through, even based on just the general aesthetic of it. For example, there was a time, especially when I was back in college, where every game coming out or a lot of the games coming out, they were all first person shooters. They were all really kind of just gray, brown, quote unquote, realistic tones. And they all kind of sort of followed that aesthetic. And now, like in the late 2010s, we have this, I don't even know what they call it. There's a lot of it that's like the use of like pink and neon and almost like retro. Yeah, like all these bright colors. Yeah. And yeah. And and it's like, and the trends, and it's funny because video games were always, they, they were sometimes part of a subculture. And because of just how big they've become and how accessible they are, they're now part of the culture. They they set trends and react to trends much faster than they did back when, you know, Legend of Zelda first came out on the NES and the SNES. Or Pong. Or, or Pong. Or, or Pong, yeah. <laughs> Pong. There's, a, there's a goddamn Miss Pac-Man now. The whole world doesn't make sense. but no it's just it's just kind of it's kind of cool to think about because the first video game that i really remember playing myself fully all the way to completion is final fantasy 7 which you know they're coming out with the remake next year of it but but you look at the original of that and then you look at something like final fantasy 15 or the 7 remake and you just think like 20 years how far the technology has come and how much uh, how much more nuanced the storytelling is character writing because like in the Zelda games there's not really character development it's just like okay go here do this kill this thing go to the next place you know rinse and repeat and that's stayed largely the same for 30 years whereas with the storytelling with something like Final Fantasy you look back at, at Final Fantasy 7 the original version of it, it was, okay, you get out of Midgar, then you go, basically each character that you can have in your party has a stop at their hometown or or something of the matter where you learn about their backstory a little bit and then you just go and it's never touched on again. Whereas the games coming out nowadays, say like Final Fantasy XV, is every character has a fully fleshed out backstory. They have all these traits that make them as a character who they are. So I just think it's really cool to think about how far the medium has come in terms of storytelling, uh, as well as nuanced and and believable characters. Yeah, I really do like that. And also looking at it, it's actually, you can actually really compare it to like, say something like Dungeons and Dragons, because that's where everything really started from. Like, you had your Legend of Zelda, which is just kind of your kind of crawling through the dungeon. And Dungeons Dragons has that. But also, they had, like, the stories and everything when they added it to it, which is actually kind of interesting. And, I mean, other games that Nintendo was were, was famous for, like, back in the day, they were the same basic concept. Picking up items, using them against enemies. You got your Metroids, you got your Castlevanias, things like that. And, and going off of that... Uh, Video games are something that kind of I was really into as a kid and it kind of drifted away for a while and then kind of comes and goes to basically depending on what's going on at the time. But when I started getting into board games a lot and then Dungeons and Dragons and other role playing games, video games started kind of going off to the side. And I realized that if a game doesn't have a compelling story or some kind of mechanic to draw me in, I'm not going to want to play it. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm very much the same way. Like ten years ago when I was in high school, and you know, like you were saying, all the the first person shooters, like Call of Duty, was huge. Yeah, you know, ten years ago, and so because my friends were playing and it was the popular thing, I wanted to play it. But I've never been one for like the online multiplayer. I don't really enjoy that. I enjoy games that have a very heavy story that can pull you, and I like the emotional satisfaction that you get out of something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just a uh, a running gun and and go here do this. It's you're you're the world itself, especially in, in games nowadays like Breath of the Wild or something like that. The world itself is living. You go around and there's different people, and you can find them walking around the world. 
and like a lot of times I wish I could get into these kind of games and I, and it's not that I, I don't want to play them with complete strangers. Like I, I see Borderlands three, for example, and I'm like, you know, that game looks like a lot of fun. I wouldn't mind playing that with some people I know, but then it just faces the same problems that like Dungeons and Dragons does. It's like, when do you schedule time? When do you make the time to do this? You know, some people it's part of their life as part of their schedule as part of how they spend their free time. And, you know, I just have a lot of other interests and things that need my attention as well. But, um, but, but I think, uh, I think video games have done a really good job over the last several years of kind of catering to every play style. I think we're seeing a lot more single player games again. Uh, yes. Thank God. Yeah. Which <laughs> there was a, there, there was maybe like a couple of like really good ones, but now I think they're kind of bringing that back. I don't think couch co-op is making a, co- a comeback though. Is it? I, I still feel like, I don't think so. I haven't really seen anything recently because I mean, nowadays, like if you can, just get the game and play online with your friends. I mean, what's the point to do in co-op, you know, couch co-op? Because the TV screens are bigger than ever. <laughs> we finally yeah. have enough space on our TV screens. You know, back in the day when Jeff and I were playing in the basement and uh, of our parents' homes and we're playing on like a, a 20-inch tube TV and we're like, whoa, the graphics, 16-bit, 32-bit. Awesome. Yeah, no, I know. Whoa. You could be Sonic or Knuckles? <laughs> What? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's like, if you think about it, um, Crash Team Racing, they remade that recently. And I remember living in Germany when my dad was still in the army, we, we would, my brothers and I would pull out the PlayStation, put that in there, and we would just sit there and, and race against each other in the game for like hours on end. And I think it's really cool that games like that, because you know they had the, the Crash Insane trilogy and they had the Spyro trilogy, got remade just due to popular demand, like how popular they were with people. Because for a lot of people my age, you know, those games were huge in our childhood. What game would you want to see remade from your childhood into modern graphical times? That isn't already... Yeah, that's not already, because Spyro and Crash would have been my number one choices originally. Yeah, you got Spyro and Crash, they're they're already doing Final Fantasy VII. I would love if they did Final Fantasy Nine, um, because Nine is also Nine is probably my favorite game in the series, because of the fact that like for Final Fantasy Seven VII and Eight, they kind of brought it to a more modern feel with the technology and the cars and the flying this and that. But with Nine, they kind of went back to a lot of the series tropes from before Seven VII and Eight, and the game itself kind of plays out like it's a theater play. Like every character has a role that you would expect in a character in a, in a play. Is that the one with the clown mm-hmm. bad guy? No, that's six. Okay. Six, yeah, Kefka is in six. Kefka, okay. Yeah. Um, now, nine is the one where the main character has a monkey tail. Yep. I yeah. actually have no idea which one this is. I'm going to have to look this up later. Oh, wow. I, I didn't grow up with a, uh, with a, a Nintendo system of any kind. Uh, just a Game Boy. And the, I played like Tetris and Kirby. So a lot of the things that made Nintendo what it was like this, like I wasn't introduced to that, to that. We were a Genesis household. I, I didn't play the final fantasy games ever or the legend of Zelda games. And then when I, when I tried them, when I got older, they didn't appeal to me as much, which makes mm-hmm. me kind of an, an outsider. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, yeah, but it, it, it makes a little bit of sense because they appeal to, uh, well, Final Fantasy has a, a, a more mature audience, I think. But something like Zelda has... It appeals to that it's uh, that sense of adventure that you would have as a kid. And I know, like me now, versus 15 years ago, I don't have a sense of adventure. I just want to stay where I'm comfortable and be left alone. So, <laughs> Jeff, what about you? What would you want to see remade? Let's see. I've always been a kind of a Final Fantasy and... Uh, RPG fan, but one of my favorites that hasn't seen much recently with the uh, new consoles, especially since the PS4, is Legend of Dragoon. Why did I know you were going to say that? It's so funny. I remember you playing that back in, what were we, what was it, grade school, high school? I remember you. that was like a two-disc yeah. long PlayStation game, wasn't it? No, it was a four-disc. <laughs> yeah. It was a freaking four-disc long one. I mean, that's what... Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, where they were three and four discs. Yeah. I loved the combat system for it 
it was different than anything that had ever come out before. Just kind of like the time. I think it's actually the first time that we've got kind of like the quick time event sort of. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I would. I would also wager on voting, and I, I don't know about Jacob, but Jeff might agree with me on this, is uh, Chrono Trigger. Yes. I've heard good things about that. Chrono Trigger is absolutely fantastic. Like, you get a frog who has a sword, and he's <laughs> in your party, and then yes. there's a robot, and then you're in the future, and you're in the past, and you're in, like, the prehistoric past. It's crazy. Yeah, it goes kind of nuts. The only JRPG I think I've played to some actual extent and this, it was the most random thing. I, I was at a GameStop when I was in, I guess, early high school, maybe. And I had some money. I'm looking around, and I see this game, Lunar Star Story 2, I think is what it was. And I don't know what it was about. It looked really cool. So I picked it up and bought it, and I played through almost the entire thing. I, I think it's almost the very end. And I I really loved that. And uh, But other, other than that, I've had a hard time getting into a lot of these JRPGs and I, I kind of want to, cause I know they're, they're good with story and character stuff. And I kind of like the, I, the challenge a little bit, but I think I'm a person who gets caught up in, you know, the stress of running out of, you know, magic points to deal damage and your item stuff and, and getting overwhelmed easily. And, 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 uh, that can get kind of, uh, that bogs me down a lot. Mm-hmm. So the solution to that is to just get better at the game. <laughs> Did you just tell me get to get good. good? Just I did. <laughs> you take you take the Dark Souls philosophy and you apply it to every other video game and you see how far you go. You know what? I should apply that to my life, to my daily life. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? You? We're not we're not gonna go there. Get good. We're not <laughs> we're, we're, we're not gonna go there. Oh no. <laughs> Cause oh boy, is that a train wreck waiting to happen? <laughs> oh, I've gotta learn this boss's uh, uh patterns. And all of a sudden, you have a letter opener into your boss's throat, and it's not good. <sighs> you get put away for life. What is the newer one called? Sekiro? Sekiro, yeah. Uh, that game looks so just not fun. I'm watching um, people streaming it, and they're still in the same boss three hours later. And I'm like, at what point is this fun and not work? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I love the Dark Souls games. I love Bloodborne. And the studio, like, Sekiro, like, it's a great game, but it is the only From Software game that I had to just, like, put down and get rid of because I was at the point where I was, like, in my apartment screaming, wanting to throw the controller at the TV because it's like, <laughs> how did that hit me? How did how did my block not, ha- like, it's so, oh, it's a beautiful game, though. Yeah, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. I did want to say, though, that if I had a game that could be remade in the modern times, it would be Tomba. Ooh. Yes, yes. When when uh, when PlayStation Three came out, and you could purchase old PlayStation games on there and transfer them onto the uh, what was it, the Vita and the, the and the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah the other one and the yep. PSP PSP. I purchased that. I had a I had a PSP. I think or a P, I forget which one I had. I sold it a while, long time ago, and then I could play that handheld. And I'm like, oh, that was that was a lot of fun. And I would love them to kind of like get that game and maybe refix it up a little bit. There were a couple of like things here and there that could have changed. And then uh, that game I remember playing for hours. Cause I, I played that game a lot too, but in the same vein, another game from that era that would be really cool to see a modern remake of uh, is a game called brave fencer Musashi. I think I've heard of that, which, which not many people have. Um, but the premise of the game is you're a legendary hero and you get summoned to this other I don't know if it's another world or it's another kingdom or whatever. But it turns out that it's just you're just a little kid. And uh, even back then, like that game, the world was living and breathing. Like you would go different times a day. You could find different people at different places or different days of the week. But the premise of the game is a fairly typical, like save the kingdom kind of thing. But it's hilarious because the kingdom in the game that you're trying to save is uh, everything in the game is named after food by the way <laughs> the king the kingdom in the game that you're trying to save is called the all you can eat kingdom of course it is the princess of the kingdom is princess fillet oh my god <laughs> like oh my god. like everybody in that game is named after some kind of food and then like the enemy empire is called the thirst quencher empire <laughs> 
and they're all named after beverages. What, what is this? Like, wow. Was this sponsored by some, like, companies I, or something? Like, some I, indus- like the food I, industry? I don't think that it was, but I know that the only reason a lot of people bought that game is because... You remember Demo Discs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. So, so that game included a Demo Disc for uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Oh. And so a lot of people bought that game just to play that demo disc. <laughs> but but that game is I mean it's it's a it's a classic. I wish you could buy it on PS4 and play it, but you can't. Hey man, demo discs are how uh one Christmas Eve Jeff and a bunch of us were all over at the Christmas Eve party playing the only two minutes of Tony Hawk Pro Skater you could play on a demo yeah! disc over and Tony over Hawk's and over with a what was it gold goldfinger i think um superman song just playing the only the first yes. two minutes of that song over and over again and we, we played that all night oh it was amazing yeah <laughs> another one that uh i was actually just looking at was gex the gecko oh i had a demo disc for that speaking of. i played number two all the way through yeah i remember i remember watching you play it. yeah gex enter the gecko it was kind of an open world sort of you know, Mario 64-esque type of thing. And uh, and it's funny because I, I was curious about it. So I went to find a video on YouTube and man, it does not look the way I remembered it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's so bad to revisit those graphics and be like, oh, this is not as good as I thought it was. Unfortunately, that's what nostalgia gets you. <laughs> nostalgia goggles. And uh, speaking of nostalgia. Yeah, let's hear some nostalgia. So... Back in the early 2000s, a uh, little cable TV channel called the Science Fiction Channel, Sci-Fi, came out with a show called Eureka. It's a show about a former U.S. Marshal who finds himself in the town of Eureka, which is a fictional uh, town in Washington State where all of the brightest minds go and create all the uh where they can basically be the is it it's essentially rapture from bioshock if they didn't fall into complete disarray right yeah absolutely and i loved the series when it was first out and i watch reruns all the time and recently i've actually uh found it on amazon prime and i was re-watching that show and unlike uh, Gex, where it didn't look like like you had like the nostalgia goggles on for it. To me, it looks really good. It's still a lot of it is still very pertinent because it is sci-fi, but also it has some elements of like doesn't head into like the uh, question of uh, gender identity or anything there. But it's like the message about rampant scientific expansion and everything like that and what can happen what would you do yada 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 but overall i've enjoyed it a lot have you guys ever seen it before uh i have not the only thing i really know sci-fi channel for is i think that's where sharknado came out on yes it did um and the butchering of their name and logo over the last 15 years oh siffy yeah, Siffy. Yes. Because it used to be the science fiction channel, then they just changed it to sci-fi, spelled the way that you would expect it to, and now it's just S-Y-F-Y, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Oh, it's all marketing crap, so people can, so that way they can put non-sci-fi stuff on there and still pass it off as a sci-fi place. Yeah. Jeff, I have seen it. I actually watched, first I watched Warehouse 13 on Netflix back in the day, and then it kept recommending uh, Eureka, and I realized that they were in the same universe. Mm-hmm. So I started watching that too. And the funny thing is I never finished watching all the warehouse 13 episodes, but I did watch Eureka all the way through. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Eric, I recommend checking it out. If you're looking for a really kind of enjoyable sort of TV show, it's an interesting concept because the entire premise is that the guy who becomes the sheriff. I do not know the actor's name, but he's the Maytag guy now. <laughs> Um, in all the commercials and he was was also in the ticket to ride episode of uh tabletop yes he was he was in that episode um is it um is it on netflix do you know i don't know if it's on netflix anymore it used to be um it might be and um we can we can check that out to the interwebs so this this actor this guy he would be he was the sheriff 
of this town. He kind of gets it in the very first episode on a fluke. The whole shtick is he's like a red-blooded American, likes to eat his hot dogs, doesn't care for any of his fancy sci-fi stuff. And it's usually not only is it his like common sense and lack of 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 he's not he's not an idiot but he's not like a, a huge intellectual like everyone but it's sort of like his uh his common sense approach is usually what helps save the day and also he's the one who always ends up putting him his life on the line to fix whatever these scientists are doing fucking yeah. scientists man which fucking is kind of weird because it's a very like almost anti-science kind of approach because because jeff's right it's sort of like a they're basically pushing science to its extreme and there's a whole bunch of crazy storylines around that and, and and this you know traditional guy has to come over and and save the day so i don't know what kind of message they're doing there but it was very entertaining to watch yeah and the actor the main actor's name is colin ferguson yes but also it has matt i'm gonna butcher this so so horribly uh Frewer. Who was the redneck uncle, uncle from Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I do not remember that man or that actor. <laughs> in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, he was in the camper and he was kind of like the uh, outdoorsy camping type guy. Oh, I don't remember. I haven't seen that movie since it came out, I think, in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he plays uh, Taggart in uh, Eureka, the, uh, the Australian... Uh, cryptologist i think oh yes i think i, I remember, remember that character now and another fun thing that i've seen with it is that they've had a lot of cameos on it they've had uh will wheaton they've had felicia day on there she uh, she became a recurrent regular character cast character near the end they've had uh, jamie kennedy <laughs> <laughs> will wheaton Yes, Wheatons. Will Wheaton. With Wheaton. Like, they've had, like, a whole ton of people playing scientists and everything, and it's just... I'd say that, from my point of view, it's aged pretty well, because, again, it's kind of like the... It's the science gone wrong, but sometimes the simple answer is the best answer, which is kind of the philosophy with martial arts. So... If, say, Jacob is trying to choke me, mm-hmm. the simple answer is to beat him until he stops choking me. And then, yeah. That was an oddly specific... <laughs> it, yeah, that was. <laughs> oddly specific request there. I mean, I I don't know I don't know where you got the idea of that happening, but I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks when you come down to visit, Jeff. Thinking about that, like, how, how does that really kind of feel in like modern society where all these people who are against science like you've got the flat earthers and the anti-vaxxers like how does that feel against like that kind of ideology like that the science people need you know some some non-sciencey average joe kind of thing the thing is with him is that he's not against it he's not like saying oh the earth is flat oh the vaccines cause autism or whatever no, he's much more like, okay, so this is what's happened. Maybe trying to tackle this from a simpler perspective is well, not simpler, but more of a kind of base perspective is better because it's like he never goes around saying, hey, this is a bad thing. He's saying that. Hey, maybe look at that from this angle. He he's like the IT guy who says, "Have you tried turning it off and then on again?" Oh, I love that show. Yes, and in, in a way, it's it's kind of like it's not that he knows how to turn it on and off. He's just these guys are so in their in their own heads that they probably actually haven't thought of that. Yeah, he's kind of like the medical team to their to Doctor House. Yeah. Mm, okay. He's their wisdom-based character amongst a bunch of a bunch of intelligence. Intelligence, yeah. Because I mean, I find like even in actual life that that can be kind of true. Like you've got people who are super educated and and book smart and all they like they know all these things, but then like something simple like everyday kind of problem happens, and they're just dumbfounded. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of of what the show is. So it's not anti-intellectual. It's not anti-science in that way. It's more of sometimes it's better to look at it from a kind of from the base level saying, hey, did we go through this? It's like you just need a little bit of street smarts every once in a while. 
Yeah. Yes. And street smarts. I remember an episode specifically where there's a, a church. There's a church of science they have there, but it's it's a religious and the the guest star of the week who who runs it. She's also a scientist, but she complains how nobody comes to services anymore. And then there's a whole talk about like faith and science and and how the two interact. And and I thought they took that really well. I thought the way that the show approached that was very mature and 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 also made for good storytelling too. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I recommend it. And uh, Jeff, are you going to watch rewatch Warehouse Thirteen? Did you like that one as much? Oh yeah, I loved Warehouse Thirteen. Like you, I hadn't caught up fully caught up with it. So I'll probably start from the beginning again. I want to take it back a little bit for just a second where we were talking about the importance of storytelling in in modern video games. Because since the last time we spoke a week ago, I have been and have finished at least one playthrough of Detroit Almost Human. I've been playing it with Anita. So what we do is... I thought it was called Detroit Become Human. What did I say? Almost Human? Yeah. Almost Human is the Fox TV series. God damn it. (laughs) So, for the past week, I have been playing Detroit Become Human, and do I have the Wikipedia page already up and still said the name wrong? Yes, this happened. <laughs> it's developed by Quantic Dream. It came out for the PlayStation 4. Uh, what, two years ago? A, a year a year and a half ago. It came ago. out in, oh, it looks like it came out on, on Windows on PC this year, and it came out in May of 2018. Okay. And it is it was available last month on PlayStation Plus for download. I think you can still actually get it for free. Uh was it this month or last month's game? Uh this month uh, on, on PS Plus is like Arkham Knight and uh, Arkham Knight Darksiders yeah. 3, so. Yeah. yeah. So the cool thing was you were able to get Detroit Become Human and uh Quantic Dreams first game that they were really known for, Heavy Rain, which I never played. Oh, that game is ooh. Well, it's it's the same it's the same writer and director, David Cage. So Detroit um, almost becomes sort of human. It's not a traditional game. And I'm sure Heavy Rain was very similar. It's kind of a story. It's sort of almost a movie or a bunch of episodes of a TV show where you can make dialogue choices and character choices. You can explore the areas that you're in to an extent. And then every once in a while, there's a quick time event like a fight scene or something where it's just a it's just a matter of you hitting a button or mashing a button a certain number of times. Yeah, heavy heavy rain was much of the same, yeah. Y- yeah, when it comes to actual like gameplay, there's not a lot of it involved. However, there are three protagonists that you switch between for every chapter. It takes place in in the future, not that far in the future, 2038. And each of the characters are an android, and androids are becoming popular robot servants in society each one of the ones the main characters is a different position so uh kara is a she she's a caretaker android um actually marcus is another caretaker android and he 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 takes care of an old man played by lance henriksen which is awesome yes it was was great seeing him in in the game and then the other the last one is uh the first one you play as actually is connor he's a detective and he later gets assigned to work with a detective named Hank, played by Clancy Brown. The cast was amazing. The cast of this game is incredible. And a lot of these people are even newcomers. Anita recognized immediately the person who played uh, Marcus, Jesse Williams, because I think he is now on Grey's Anatomy, which is how she recognized him. We only played this for a couple of days. I would play one chapter, then she would play one chapter. After every chapter, it gives you a flow chart of all the choices you made and then all of the paths that you could have taken. It doesn't tell you what's on those paths, but it shows you how many options there are. It is crazy. Like it just spirals out of control. And then like, sometimes you unlock things that like, you'll see it on the screen. You'll see a little blue lock thing unlock and it says you've opened up a path. So a character that you maybe helped or hurt in one chapter because of that will affect what you can do later on. Yeah. It's very much a choose-your-own-adventure. So, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds kind of like the um, the Telltale games, like the Telltale Walking Dead or, like, the Batman games that they put out, which I have and I love, by the way. Wolf Among Us was probably my favorite of them. I haven't actually played those games yet. I, I want to check them out. Um, good luck, because the studio closed, and I think you can't buy them online anymore, like on Steam. No! You might be able to find them at GameStop, but I don't know. Well, poop. 
Oh, muffin. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Jeff, I saw you played it because we were trying to see who else. Because what it will do is it will show you the percentage of people in the world who made your choice. And then the percentage of your friends who've made the choice, which being on the PS4 is probably anyone that you're connected through online. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see who I knew that had been playing the game. And I saw Jeff had as well. And so we were comparing trophies and seeing what choices he made versus that I made. And I made we made some pretty bad decisions. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Anita and I, we we played it through all the way to the end with our choices and then we've thought about replaying it again and just sort of making new choices or different ones. And we just replayed the first one over and over till we got every single option unlocked just to see all four or five endings you can get from the very first chapter. And then we're like, okay, we need to put this down for a bit because we've just played a lot of it. But she loved every second of it. She's kind of a little obsessed with it. And and I'll be honest with you, so was I. I really enjoyed this game. When it came out, it got a lot of flack from from some people. I think there it has a lot of praise, but because the topics are very controversial, they they talk about androids the same way they talk about the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Gets really heavy, and and it uses a lot of 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 that imagery. And whether or not they use it correctly, I can't tell you. I'm. Uh, I, I don't have the background to, to to say whether or not I feel that they were being respectful, but all I know is when I was playing the game, I could see the parallels, I could see what they were going for, I enjoyed the story, and I loved the acting, and I, I recommend it. I think it's a really cool game, and I wish they made a lot more games like this. Anita is not somebody who's going to go and pick up a game like Borderlands, or maybe even like a Batman game or the Spider-Man game. Like... Those really aren't up her alley. She liked watching them. She loved watching Spider-Man, but those aren't the games that she enjoys playing. But when you have something like this, something more accessible, something with a really great story, I I think that appeals in a lot different way. Jeff, what did you think? I thought it was fun. Like you, I've been trying to, when it first came out, I was trying to do a lot of like, see what choices went where. But unfortunately with it, after kind of seeing like kind of like the path to the best ending, it was like, okay, I don't really need to play this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's very limited life for me. I could see that too. Cause once you know, like how the best ending goes, it's like, why would I want to go back and make it worse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is something, and this is a little bit of a spoiler. The character Connor, who I think has the best parts of the game being the detective and everything like that. Yes. It is actually possible to have him die at the end of every single episode because he always comes back. They always just re-upload his memory into a new body. You can have him die in every single episode he shows up in, and you get a trophy for that. And I think that is hysterical. Yeah, he he is kind of the uh, red shirt of the three. Yeah, because if the other ones die, they're gone. They're not in the story anymore. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Connor keeps coming back. <laughs> so it's kind of like the um, Doctor Strange thing where he pops up 500 times. Yargle, I've come to Bargle. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wanted to talk also about the uh, new magic set. We were wanting to talk about that last week. but yeah, Do you want, want to talk about that? Because I think that'd be cool. Yeah, especially since we are Yargling the Bargling. We are, we are Bargling with the Yargle. <laughs> Speaking of Bargle the Yargle... Uh, <laughs> They must have known what they were getting into when they named that card. I don't think, I really, I'll be honest with you, I don't think that they do. You don't think they they make things for the meme potential? Because I definitely think they do. I don't think that they do. I'll be honest with you. Like, once in a while I think they do. Like, like, did did 20 years ago when they were making a Spongebob, did they think there was going to be a new meme every week of Spongebob? No. So, Throne of Eldraine is the 82nd Magic expansion. It comes out on October 4th, and the pre-release will be the weekend before that. So, it's coming up soon, and they've been uh, spoiling. It's spoiler season. Yep. So, who wants to tell me what the set's about and why I should care? Um, uh, very, raise very... my hand. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> no, no, Eric, you take it. You take it. Uh, we, got, we got fairy tale shit. We got more fairy tale shit. Like, 
it's really cool what I think they've done with some of the cards. I don't really understand the food token thing, but I can explain that. Yeah. Like, like I understand yeah. what it does. I just don't understand why they did it. It's because a lot of the fairy tales do uh, involve something like food, like with Hansel and Gretel. They were basically thrown out because they didn't have enough food. So when the witch, when they got to the witch, the house was made out of food. Okay, Jeff, hold on. Which one of us here has taken a grad class on fairy tales? That's right, me. So back off. Yeah, Eric, you see, in a lot of fairy tales, there's a lot of food. Like sort of how in Hansel and Gretel, like go to the house and there's food there. That was so... really aggressive for no reason. <laughs> I don't I don't think you made a very good bargain with Yorgo today. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh god. But yeah. But Jeff no, Jeff's totally right. Um I do I do like the um the the new mechanic thing where it's like you cast it as a spell and then it goes into exile and you can cast it as a creature adventure yes those are really cool uh, I like that that's really cool and I like the uh, the border the the way they did it where it kind of looks like a book yeah yeah I'm looking forward to this set because I really liked a lot of like the fairy tales and like the Arthurian legends kind of thing oh you mean the actual King Arthur that they put in there as a buy box promo Yes. Oh, is that what it is? A buy a box? Yeah. Ugh. And you can only get it from buying a box. Oh, God. This Which is, is yeah. stupid. Yeah. But yeah, uh, with this set, they also brought back one of the OG Planeswalkers. That's right. They yeah. brought it back. They, they brought, By God, that's Garrick's music. <laughs> they brought back Big Papa. <laughs> yes. And I like, so, how they, I like how they made him like the Huntsman. Yes. Yes. I know. It's Isn't he also awesome. kind of like the Big Bad Wolf, too, in a way? No, there's an actual Big Bad Wolf card, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a Big Bad Wolf card, and there's um, uh, a spell that I think makes the pig tokens, and when they die, you get food tokens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I've been sending a lot of the promos, actually, to some friends of mine who, they don't they don't like magic, but, like, I'll, I'll let them know if it's, like, a cool thing. I'm like, you guys got to see what they're doing with this set when they started spoiling the cards, I'm like, you guys got to see this. There's a Beauty and the Beast card. There's a Little Mermaid card. There's a Three Little Pigs. Oh, that's why, because uh, one of my friend's little kids, he's obsessed with the Big Bad Wolf right now for some reason. <laughs> so I'm like, you got to show him this card. And uh, on Friday, I showed Anita the card that's essentially Be Our Guest that makes all the artifacts come to life. Like yeah. in Beauty and the Beast, which I thought was hysterical. It was awesome. So the theme is really there. I, I, I think that's really cool. And I'm, a, I'm a fan of like Grimm's fairy tales kind of stuff. So that's neat. Jeff though, I specifically remember you making a comment earlier and I kind of agree with you is, is a sense of fatigue. Yes. There we go. It, yeah. What it is, is that back even like two months ago, they were spoiling everything from the Commander 19 series, and that went on for a while. And then it went right into Throne of Eldraine and, like, the Brawl precons. And it's just like... Yeah, they've, over the last several years, I'd say since, I think, like, Cons of Tarkir came out, is when... It was like a real... I don't want to say resurrection, but, like, it's gotten so much more popular since then. Uh, and so they're constantly pushing product. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's become almost too much. It's becoming like Christmas where they're pushing the, the spoilers and the previews like earlier and earlier and earlier. Mm -hmm. Like even even now, they just announced like the uh the next year next force yeah. the next year set. And I want to talk like, about those too real quick because that's neat, but at the same yeah. time it's like, oh my god. Yeah, like, I mean, they they always like announce like a year out of you know what the plans are going to be. Yeah, but now it's just becoming like I think it was like they'd release three sets every four months or something like that. Well, I mean, you got to think. Yeah, uh, they've always done for like standard. It's always been a Q one, a Q two, a Q three, and a Q four set. But then they also have the precom products and like the master sets and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of getting to where it's like a, a machine. And I feel like at some point 
the fatigue is just going to hit hard and the machine's going to break down then there's just going to be like a massive recession probably yeah and yeah and and to go with what jeff's saying he says he thinks it's coming out early and earlier the 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 uh, spoiler season i don't think it actually is i just think it feels that way because everything's it, just come out since war of the spark he's right there's been what yeah. like master's thing the commander it's just it's I, I was surprised i'm like wait there's another set coming out already like that's pretty early right no it just yeah since since war the spark since war the spark you've had um Modern, Modern Horizons. Horizons. You've had Core Twenty Twenty, and you've had Commander, and now you're going Throne of Eldraine. You know where some a lot of this push is coming from, right? Wizards of the Coast is one of the few parts of Hasbro that's actually making money. Oh yeah, that's just from actual reporting. So you know when you've got the golden goose, you keep pushing it to lay eggs, but eventually you're right. You're going to cut that goose open and find there's nothing in there. Wizards and Hasbro just needs to take us. Take a look and say, okay, maybe we should, I'm, this isn't going to happen at all, but they should just go back and say, are we doing too much? Well, and they, they already have, like, in some aspect, because with the um, the Masters sets, so 2013 you had Modern Masters 1, and then 2015 you had Modern Masters 2. And then they started releasing all these other sets. You've got Iconic Masters, Masters 25, Modern Masters 3, uh, and the Ultimate Masters. Ultimate Masters. And they hit a point where there was just so much fatigue with the Master sets because the Master sets are more expensive because it's like $200 for a box, right? Instead of like $90. For less packs and the high value cards that they reprinted in those sets. Like, the chance of getting what you wanted is astronomical. Yeah, and also just the quality of the cards were going down until they finally released Ultimate Masters, where they just went and it's like, okay, what can we do to get the fan base back on our side with this? Are we talking about the quality of the cards in the game or the quality of the physical cards? Because I know both of those were issues. Both of those were issues. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, Masters 25, I think, had maybe two or three cards that were actually worth it, <laughs> worth uh, going after. Jace the Wallet Sculptor? <laughs> yes. I like that. And, like, Modern Horizons here, they release a lot of cards, a lot of good cards, and a lot of new to, that are going straight to modern cards, which are which is actually really cool, so... Yeah, a lot of... A lot of newer cards going straight to modern is pretty cool because I played modern pretty consistently for about two years. Mm. And I don't anymore. Like I was saying last week, I haven't really played in the last year and a half. But um, Modern Horizons did some crazy things. Like there was a card that came out in Modern Horizons and it was doing so well uh, as a combo that they banned one of the combo pieces. Hogak! Hogak, Hogak. yeah, um, I heard about that. And... Hogak himself is already now banned in modern. <laughs> yes. So. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, wizards. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that they see this and just say, okay, now let's do this. Go back to twi- every two years or something like that with it. Because, again, it's just way too much, way too quickly. My only real hope is that with... Um the upcoming sets because you know they're going back to theros yes yes um, is that they find a way to bring back best boy gideon that'll be really neat especially if he kind of acts as like a replacement for heliod heliod yeah i don't know if that's going to be what happens because you know in the story he died in war of the spark like saving liliana or something which first of yeah. all makes sense as like a character move for him but second of all kind of sucks because no offense to anybody that likes her, but Liliana is a bitch. She was designed yeah, that way. No, she was. Yeah, no. She was, she um, was designed that way, which also makes her a really interesting character. She's definitely one of the more interesting planeswalkers. She's She has a very mercurial personality. You know she's looking out for herself, and she gets conflicted with that, and I think that's a really neat idea, but at the same time, yeah, she's a she's not a nice person. <laughs> but like no. with, the, um, with the novel for War of the Spark, I think because like the way that the that death works in Theros is that like if something or another you go to the underworld and you can come back as a returned, which are like the the people wearing the masks and stuff, um, 
Or there's also like the Theros version of Heaven, which is where Gideon probably went based off of some of the cards, like Heartwarming Redemption, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but like in the novel, I think Ugin said something about there's a way they might be able to bring him back and he'd be better. But Ugin is now serving as the eternal jailer for Nicobolus, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, and also, I honestly don't... not Nothing against Gideon, but... I need them to bring back Elspeth. Yes, I would. I want to see her come back because we need someone like either her or or Gideon. And right now, can, there's can there's no we, one like that. Can we fingers crossed for a Gideon Elspeth team up with a Johnny to take down the the Therosian pantheon? Because like that's a Johnny's thing right now is that he wants to get revenge on the gods of Theros for killing Elspeth. Oh, I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's, so, absolutely. I'd like them to make a Kratos character of some kind. I mean, if Johnny's going to be that, I mean, that's fine. He's already got the uh, scar over the eye type looking thing. He's, and... he's, he's got the scar over the eye type thing. He's been primarily like white green, but he he did have a card 10 years ago from uh, Alar where he was white red. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go back to his Naya roots. Yeah. I'm also excited for the set they announced after that, which was uh, Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, because it's all going to focus on monsters, which is uh, a, a big draw for me. Very cool. Yeah. I thought I thought you were going to say Return to Return to Zendikar. Oh, no. Return to Return to Zendikar is confusing a lot of people online because they're like, why? It turns out that's still one of the best-selling set they ever made, which confuses me, but... Yeah, original Zendikar, yeah. No, 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 no. Um, Rise of the Eldrazi. Original or, I'm Zendikar. sorry. I'm sorry. Battle for Zendikar. Battle for Zendikar. Yeah, Battle for Zendikar sold a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think that was the hype train, really. Battle for Zendikar did really good. Oath of the Gatewatch was kind of eh. Okay, that was the one at yeah. the end of that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. I'll probably still go to the pre-release, which I always like to do when I can. But, uh. You know, my, my attachment to magic is, is very casual. I, I pay attention to what's going on, but I don't play it in any, like, huge sense. I still think it's an amazing game, and I'm going to follow it for a long time. I just, I agree. The fatigue, I felt the fatigue. It's real. Yeah, that's why I, like, I've been playing a little bit of Arena. Just because even though it's still magic, it's like, okay. It's something that I know, and once it starts becoming a chore, then I'm like, okay, I'm done. Jeff, what would you recommend for somebody who enjoys card games and also video games and also possibly roguelikes? I would like to suggest a little game called Slay the Spire, which was developed by a studio called Megacrit. I'm not familiar with the studio, but recently I've been playing a lot of this game, what it is, is that it's a mix between, like Jacob said, a roguelike video game with a traditional deck-building card game. Uh, so, like, your Ascension, your Le- Marvel Legendaries, things like that. Star Realms, would that be a good example? Yes. Okay. Because what it is, is that you play a hero, and you're crawling through a dungeon that has... a uh, couple of different floors i forgot how many because i haven't gone that far in it get good <laughs> <laughs> you fight your traditional slimes your skeletons your demons but as you go through the dungeon you're collecting more cards to make your deck work better you're collecting potions to make sure you stay alive relics that are constant buffs during the whole entire trip through and honestly, it's I'm loving it. It's a really, really good game, and it's just kind of it scratches that itch of kind of playing a deck building game. Because recently, with recent uh, developments with my playing group, I haven't been able to play much of anything uh, board game wise. So I've been using this as kind of a a substitute, a surrogate for my friends. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> muffin. How do you like that, huh? How does that sound? Slay the Spire has been on my radar for a while now, and I just haven't, I haven't made that. Uh, <clears throat> I, I, I haven't actually purchased it yet because one, I don't know whether I want it on PS4 or Switch. Although I think I'm probably going to want it on Switch. 
Yeah, Switch is a lot more portable. Yeah, and and two, I'm afraid that once I start, I'm not going to be able to stop, and I need to focus a little bit over the next couple months so I can graduate. <laughs> and uh, and and so I usually try to avoid games that have addictive qualities like like uh, these do. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I've been I've been eyeing it hungrily. So, but also Switch has a lot of like board game video games as well. It has Catan. It has. Raiders of the North Sea. Oh, I have Pandemic on it. Nice. Nintendo's doing it right. Yeah. They've, yeah, they're hitting it out of the park there. Now they just need to get Scythe on there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? If, if Scythe was on there, I think I would play it more than than I would if I, I think I have it on Steam, but I don't think I have any interest in, in playing it. That's the thing. <laughs> I thought I got it yeah. through humble bundle or something and then i looked in my library and it's not there so i don't know what happened but Mm. again like it's not the same playing a lot of these games digitally as it is like in like live in person yeah but it's a it's a good way of getting yourself uh introduced to the game and kind of understanding the mechanics of it general strategies absolutely absolutely so then you can crush your friends when you meet them yes I don't have a lot of experience playing like the the board games and stuff digitally, aside from Monopoly. But I like <sighs> I like that. <laughs> Listen, I will crush yeah. you at Monopoly any time of the week. I enjoy I enjoy the concept because it takes a lot of the necessity for like checking the rules because it's all just programmed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go around double checking everything constantly. And if you're ever looking for one that's pretty cool, check out. Slay the Spire, and also Raiders of the North Sea. That's one I've also been playing a lot, too. Oh, I should check that one out. Yeah, it's good. Eric, I want to hear about the thing that you're most excited about. Is this next weekend? Yes, this is next Saturday. It's six days. Six days. <laughs> six. I got to get through six more sleeps and five more works. And I'm only working a half day Friday. So what? What? what is this? What is this This thing that, that has gotten you so psyched that I think it's been on your, your, your Snapchat thing i think almost every day since this has happened pretty much so a couple weeks ago i bought a couple tickets a friend of my a friend and i are going to myrtle beach next saturday to see alter bridge which is my favorite band in the whole like entirety of existence um they're playing a show and i also bought for myself a uh, vip like a meet and greet pass so like i'll get to go to sound check and listen to them do a sound check and I'll get to talk to them, meet them, take a picture with them. I get like a signed poster and some other goodies. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's really exciting for me. Um they are actually the first like rock show that I went and saw almost six years ago down in Orlando. And so it's just really it's really cool. It's really exciting to finally like get to meet them like as people, not just like stand down the in the pit of pit of a concert and just look up in awe. Um, which I will be doing also. Nice. Um, obviously. Yeah, they have, uh, next month they have a new album coming out on the 18th, which is 10 days before my birthday. And as part of the VIP thing, I actually get a copy of the new CD mailed to me after it comes out, which is pretty cool. And I'm just really looking forward to it. They've got uh, four tracks that they've put out from the album that you can find on YouTube. Um, Google Play, Apple Music, wherever the wherever the hell you want to listen to your music at. Um... <laughs> And they've also, uh, earlier this week, they announced that they are releasing the album on a cassette tape, huh. which Why? is, I'll, I'll get to that, which is weird because it's a dead medium, first of all, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the songs that they have on this album, they put kind of like an old 80s like synth wave kind of background to it a little bit. And so I think that's why they're doing that. Ah, neat. That's so, that's cool. So I'm probably going to buy that uh, for myself just to have like as a collector's thing because it's really cool. Okay, get yourself a Walkman's. Yeah, I, I I'm probably like it's gonna I'm gonna buy it and it's gonna come in and I'm not gonna open it. It's just gonna sit somewhere. <laughs> Are you gonna ask them to find something? I get a a signed tour poster. Nice. Very nice. But they said in the the details email that uh, they're not going to sign anything else. So, But, I mean, that's fine. I get a signed poster, I'll frame it and hang it on the wall. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Speaking of rock concerts, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually went to uh, Knotfest at Jones Beach with a f- friend of mine. 
It's really interesting going to a rock concert. Who did you see? Yeah. Yeah. It was... Slipknot? Yep, Slipknot. It was Behemoth, Gojira, Volbeat, and Slipknot. I'm okay with all of those except for Volbeat. No, I've I've heard one of their songs on the radio back when Augusta still had a rock station. I liked it, that one song. Their music is okay, but it's kind of... um... What's the word? Kind of like Nickelbacky, like three doors <laughs> down. Like it's very yeah. like to appeal to mainstream kind of. Yeah, they're much more of kind of like that. They're heavy rock, but they're not like. Yeah, they're heavy rock, metal. but they're not. They's not metal. They're not. They're not Slipknot or, or something like that. No, they're not. This. That's but not the same genre. They're, yeah. they're in absolutely not. Yeah. No. But they're they're just fun to listen to. They put on a really good show. You know who else puts on a really good show? Who? Alter Bridge. <laughs> yeah, boy. And um, I don't know, like, and I guess that's I know because Jacob said that that you're not going to be av- available next week to record one of these, so I guess that's kind of I like, won't be available next weekend. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of our way of saying we got stuff going on. I'm living <laughs> my dream. We're not going to be putting out a podcast next week. I'm going to be yeah. I'm going to be in Atlanta doing some anniversary stuff with Anita. I got some cool stuff planned. Also, Jeff, I've only seen one concert at Jones Beach ever, and that was in high school. I saw Meatloaf there, and and that was when he started not being as good of a performer. So let me tell you something. It wasn't good. No, let me tell you something. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a Meatloaf fan because I am, but I realized I'm not so much a fan of Meatloaf as I am of the guy who wrote his music, which is uh, – what's his face? Oh, God damn. What's his name? Oh, Jim Steinman. Yeah. Jim Steinman wrote most of uh, Meatloaf's music. He also wrote uh, I Need a Hero and Total Eclipse of the Heart. And he's got all those, like, you know, ridiculous, bombastic, crazy songs that are just so over the top. And, like, to the point where I, th- I think people who like them are embarrassed to like them. And I'm not embarrassed at all. I will, I will gladly roll around in those songs forever and ever because that's just who I am. <laughs> and I'll fight you. You know, I'd, I'd do anything no, for love, good. but I won't do that. Exactly. Thank you. Because two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> so yeah, we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here next week. We'll we'll come back uh, the week after, maybe with hopefully more fun stuff to talk about. Um, which maybe. actually, that's the pre-release weekend, I think. So it is. So maybe we can it talk. Is, it is. If if any of us go, I know I'll I'll try at least. We can talk about our experiences with that and other things. I yeah, also I'm probably not going to make it to that. So until next time, I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. I'm Eric. Thanks so much for listening. We will catch you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.